Diane Hullett, and welcome to the Best Life, Best Death podcast. I'm excited today to be talking to someone I've been following on Instagram for more than a year, and I just always love what she has to put out. So hi, Nicole. Hello. Thank you for having me. This is Nicole Comack, and Nicole is, you know, she's an end-of-life guide and a grief companion based in Portland, Oregon. And but I think your your reach is far wider than that, really, through your social media. I think a lot of people follow you and see what you have to say on all kinds of topics, end-of-life related. So maybe, you know, just start by how, tell us about how you came to this work. Sure. Yes. So I am the founder of Emerald Awakenings. And my first entrance into death work was actually when I was 15 years old. I started working in a funeral home. My uncle is a funeral director and I wanted a job and I wasn't really focused on what the job was. I just wanted that responsibility and I wanted to make some money. So he hired me on as a Oh, a part-time funeral attendant, I think was my job title. Um, and I cleaned up after funerals and sort of learned the paperwork trade in the death industry. But after working there for a couple of years, it really um, kind of sank in that I was enjoying the the actual work that I was doing. I enjoyed accompanying people who were grieving and helping families in any way that I could so that they could really focus on their loved ones dying and their own grief. So I did that for several years um, back in San Francisco where I'm from. And then I moved to Oregon and kind of death work went away for quite a while. Um, I have been in social work and I was a teacher for many years. Um, but death work always called to me and I was never really sure how to get back into it up until, um, in 2019, a friend of mine, um, just in an organic conversation asked me if I had ever heard of a death doula and I had not at the time. And so I ended up jumping on Google, typing in death doula, and that's kind of the entrance into the second stage of death work in my life. So yeah, that's how it all started. <laughs> and that's it's been going so, well ever since. <laughs> that's so neat. I just think that's so interesting that it like came to you really early and that it really came to fruition now later, you know? So, right. so Nicole and I reached out to each other. We were kind of chatting through Instagram and we thought that a really interesting topic would be fear of death. And I think that fear is is real for so many people on different levels. And of course, it ranges from like true severe death anxiety, like, you know, really in need of some therapeutic intervention and intense um, work with that, from that to sort of just a lighter general fear of the unknown, I think is what mm -hmm. it boils down to. So tell mm -hmm. us about what you, your thoughts on fear of death, and let's just take that wherever it goes. Sure. So, I mean, it's pretty well known that death is just a taboo topic in general. So it makes sense to me that people have fears and anxiety around either themselves dying or someone they know dying. And, you know, death comes either really fast or, uh, you know, like tragically, or it happens slowly. And so our fears really range from um, having the fear that 
someone or themselves are going to tragically die in some painful, horrible way, or, you know, they've lived a, a long life and they're not ready to die. So the fears really range. And so once I was really submerging myself into this work, I was, I kept hearing this term or this topic, death fears and death anxiety. And I sat down really and asked myself, am I afraid of death? You know, because I have been around it for so long. Um, and I realized that I had my own fears around dying that have never really come to the surface until I got back into the work. Um, so it made sense that people don't want to talk about it because it makes it more real. It brings the fears to the surface. So um, I created a uh, sort of presentation and I have had conversations with uh, just my my community, the just an everyday person that's not a death worker. Um, and I also do a presentation that's specifically focused on death workers have death fears too. So yeah, it's been a really great experience. I love listening to people's specific fears. And that's sort of how I created my list of, you know, what are these fears that we have? What um, and then, what you, what's on that list? Give us a sampling. Yeah, sure. So people fear that death will be painful. I think that's, that's the one that comes up the most is that dying is a, a painful process. What will happen to my, my body and my soul after I die or after, you know, a death? Um, people are scared to leave behind their children or their families and their pets. They're scared for their loved ones grieving process because they, they know that grief can be really, you know, really hard to hold space for, um, unfinished projects, people, they're just not ready to go. So it really ranges. It really ranges. I, those are so specific and, and mm -hmm. I, yeah, I can relate to many of those, you know, as you said, even right. if you have fears of death and how, you know, in, in your experience, how do people, what is a helpful way to work with that? What is, what do you suggest to people if someone says, this is my fear? Well, you know, I have off, I have ways or suggestions based on specific fears, but in general, it is in my opinion that bringing death into life is the best way to acknowledge our fears and normalizing that they exist. I never want to tell people that I have a way of taking away their fear because that doesn't feel very realistic to me. I more want to acknowledge that people have these fears uh, and normalizing them and then offering them really like tangible ways to address them. One of those things being um, advanced planning, talking to your family about what your final wishes are at your end of life. And th this is for people of all ages, not just people who may be um, getting older or have a terminal illness. Um, the earlier we have these conversations, the better prepared we and our loved ones will be for when the time comes. Because we don't know when it's going to come. We just know that it's going to happen, right? I heard something just the other day, which I'm sure is a, you know, you're familiar with this phrase too, but the the line was basically, it's always too early until it's too late. 
Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, that just so nails this because it always feels like too soon. Really? Mm-hmm. Do we have to talk about this now. Why can't I just put it off? Keep the fear at bay. Keep the conversation at bay. But it's always too early. Until right. it's not, And then it's too late. So I was really Absolutely. that. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, there's other there's other things that we can do. We can um, I mean, really like get your paperwork in order. One of the bigger topics is of in, in organizing yourself is that everything is electronic now. And so if you were to die tragically or suddenly people that don't have your passwords or your information, aren't going to be able to have access to so much information. Right. Um, and that's a big fear. And it's really real. I'm sure we both know people that that's happened to where there's a big problem with access and um, availability of materials that you need when someone dies and you can't get to it. Absolutely. And then there's other ways that we can address the fears, you know, reading books on on grief and end of life, you know, kind of depending on where you are at in your life. For example, if you know somebody that is um, terminally ill and diagnosed with something, you know, pick up a book where someone has had a relatable, similar experience and see how they went about their final days, thinking about their whole life, their life review, leaving a legacy. Those are all ways that we can address our fears. And again, not addressing them so that okay, I'm going to do these things. And then my fear is going to be gone. We we can't think about it that way. We have to think more in terms of softening the fears, shining a light on them. And the more, the more that people do that, it will get passed on to our, to young people, to future generations. And really it's my hope that death will be a topic that's more talked about down the road and um, the fears will look a little bit different. I loved, I read somewhere too. I loved the line, like we have sex education, we have driver's education, but we don't have death education. And it's really struck. There's a high school in I think upstate New York that has an option for high school seniors to take this course and work with hospice. And it's, they come out of it saying, you know, it's one of the most meaningful things they've done in their whole high school career. And yet that's so uncommon. Um, mm-hmm. just really moved by that, how right. all of us need education and conversation around this. Absolutely. I, I love how you're saying, you know, it's not about, uh, it's, it's not about acknowledging fears in order to dissipate them and make them gone. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. more like softening and moving into them, even figuring out what they are for you. Mm-hmm. I, I know I I put a list up in my um, newsletter in August and an article that talked about seven fears Number one, I could no longer have any experiences. Number two, I'm uncertain as to what might happen to me if there's life after death. These these really parallel what you talked about at the beginning. Number three, I'm afraid of what might happen to my body. Number four, I can no longer care for my dependents. Number five, my death would cause grief. Number six, all my plans and projects come to an end. And number seven, the process of dying might be painful. Yep. What else would you say about that number seven, that the process of dying might be painful? Well, I mean, in terms of physical pain at end of life, I'm certainly not a medical professional. I do follow quite a few um, hospice nurses. And one that comes to mind, of course, is Barbara Carnes. And one of her most famous quotes, so to speak, is that um, dying isn't painful, disease is. And so that really pulls apart, you know, 
the actual the actual end the very end the when you die isn't actually the painful part it's whatever is happening right before up that point that could potentially be painful um and in reality we know that hospice is set up to help with pain management and um people just really need to be open and trust in that process uh i mean that's my personal opinion at least but um you know, most of the hospice nurses I've talked to and follow along as well, they all say the same thing. So I trust them. <laughs> I think so too. I think so too. And I think Barbara Carnes would echo that as well. She would say in this day and age, people should not be in pain at the end of life. It's It can mm-hmm. be well-managed. And it's, as you said, the disease process can be painful. So what's the disease? What's happening in the body? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we can look, we, you know, we can kind of take that question into, um, you know, the pain aspect, like the emotional pain as well, not just the physical body pain. I think, you know, people are scared of grief too. And we treat you know, death fears and grief very similarly where they're not normalized and they really should be because we all have them. Um, they, you know, they look differently for everybody, but they're really, they're, they're around for everybody. We all grieve. And I, I can't say that we all have death fears, but I know a lot of people do whether they, they realize it or not. So there's that whole emotional pain too. Interesting. Right. So it's like, there's fear of death, but there's also fear of grief. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and even I think that has so many layers to it because it's it's um gosh, there's so many little losses all the time, right? Every change is kind of a loss. And then you know, you do get to a certain age or certain things happen. Some people happen at much it happens much younger, but I find, you know, in my mid-50s, I'm just having that experience of a lot of different people are impacted by disease or by tragedy or by brain tumors or by, you know, sudden breast cancer or things that just are happening, aging parents. And, and it's a challenge to be with that grief on all those different levels, whether it's very personal, something happening in your body or something happened to a friend of a friend, you feel those levels and how to kind of, like you said, not make them go away, not come to terms with them in a sense that they'll be over but come to terms with them as a part of life and right. make friends with the tough things. God, that sounds so cheesy, but I don't know how else to do it. Kind of. I mean, like you said, we experience tiny deaths almost every day. And that's just not, um, not just like the death of a human life, but we have big losses in our lives all the time. We have more tiny deaths than we do you know, I I mean, in my life, I have more tiny deaths than I do human loss. And people don't realize that we have, we have grief around those losses as well. So, and, and uh, uh, fears around breaking up with somebody or going through a divorce, right? There's fears behind that too. Why? We probably fear grieving that process. We fear feeling things. Um, And so, that's why they're not normalized. That's why these things aren't talked about. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it real, but it is real. So let's make it real. (laughs) Let's make it real. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. When there seem like there are some sort of categories of, of fear, maybe this is similar to what we've already said, but this, you know, this idea, there's like a general fear and dread, and then there's kind of 
past ex, um, I find some people have fears based on past experiences, right? Like they sure. saw someone die in a way that they are afraid of dying. And then there's also just the terminal fear right at the end of existential fear almost. Would you say anything about any of those kind of, that's just a different way of breaking down categories, I think. Yeah. I mean, the way I break down categories, I actually start even kind of before that I break up our fears into, I I want, I want to hear, are you scared of your own death or are you more scared of other people dying or is it just death? Like just that word death as a whole, like, what are you scared of? Is that part of your fear? And then once we can identify, okay, you're scared of um, your mother dying, right? Okay, so um, what are the fears around that person dying? Are you scared that they are going to be in pain? Are you scared for their emotional well-being? Are you scared for when they die, how it's going to make you feel? So there's like a there's like a mental category. There's a physical category. And then more of like the logistical things like, okay, after mom dies, I'm going to have all this stuff that has to be done. I have to take care of her home and her pets and her paperwork. I mean, that's a fear too, like having to do the things. So, I mean, there's, there's all different categories, but I really do when I have one of my like guidance calls, I call them death anxiety guidance calls really, where does your death fear start? Is it within your own, your own personal death um, or watching other people die or is it just everything <laughs> that's so helpful Nicole I think that like that really encapsulates it is it your death is it the death of others with all kinds of ramifications or is it just the whole capital D death yeah sure yeah the capital D death is really interesting too because that really encompasses like seeing um death of an animal you know or um I don't sing blood, like blood reminds people of death. Like, what is it? And I think, I think a lot of our fears probably stem from myths around dying or the death and dying process. And what you see on TV is not reality most of the time. So yeah. of course you're scared. <laughs> don't believe what you see on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Barbara, Barbara's Carnes has also talked about that, right? It is mm -hmm. not like death is not like in the movies, you know, where someone is very lucid and then they lay back in bed and take their last breath with all of family gathered. It's, it, it is a process like birth is a process. It takes time. Mm -hmm. Is there more, is there more you could say about how to support ourselves or support our loved ones with fear? They're, they're kind of, they'll strike me as two different things. Like, what do I do to support myself with fear. Mm -hmm. But what do I do if my loved one has a lot of fear also? Well, my first recommendation would be to hire a death worker <laughs> because that person is going to be able to address both the dying person and the family as well. So, um, I mean, that's our jobs as death workers is to fill in the gaps where um, the social workers and hospice nurses and funeral directors and all those other entities that will be supporting you, we fill in the gaps. And I think acknowledging death fears is one of the ways that us death workers really, um, that we stand out in that, in that area. So um, I think that's probably my biggest recommendation is to find a 
doula, companion, advocate in your community and get to know them before you need them as well. Great advice. Great advice. I love that. Get to know them before you need them because I think people often wait until it's almost too late. I mean, a doula could do so much for a family in the months coming up to a death. In the last week or two, they can do a lot, but it's yeah. just not the same as a longer process of of time and education and understanding and support for the grief. That makes right. Sense. And depending on the death worker that you... Um you know, that you talk to or, or hire on those people can also help with the post-death experience in educating you on, um, after death options for, you know, final disposition for your loved one's body and, um, educating you on this whole fact that you don't have to go to a funeral home, right? You know, if you've never had to handle the death of a loved one, how are we supposed to know what we're supposed to do when the time comes, right. especially if it's tragic in your home, you know, whatever my, whatever the experience is, a death worker can help in those, in that area as well. And then kind of, I always call it the last step, but the last step is never ending, but in grief support, right? Because once it's all done and everything is kind of sort of settled, that's when the grieving process really begins really? and death workers can set you up for that support and that ongoing support that's going to be needed. Love that. I think that's so well put. Well, thanks, Nicole. Any last yes. for listeners, anything else you'd say? I think that that advice is also spot on. I, I think that, you know, accept yourself where you are within your fears. Um, Know that you're not alone in whatever it is that you're scared of, whatever anxieties come up. And if you need a death worker in your area, then you can reach out to me and I'll help you find resources. <laughs> awesome. And you can find Nicole at emeraldawakenings.com and her email. You can reach out to her directly, Nicole at emeraldawakenings.com. And on Instagram, she's emerald.awakenings. And I highly recommend if you're enjoying Instagram, uh, she is just a great follow with a lot of, I don't know, inspiration and good thoughts and just um, a way of seeing, uh, you know, death as a big piece of life and holding that in a really beautiful way for people. How did the name Emerald come to you, Emerald Awakenings? I was on, well, I live in the Pacific Northwest, so we have, I have evergreen trees right out my back door. I'm actually looking at them right now. And um, I have found my most Zen mindset deep into the forest in an emerald green forest. I, I to be honest with you, I was just on a walk and it popped into my head and it lasted. <laughs> it so lasted. Well, thanks again, Nicole. You can find out again about Nicole at Emerald Awakenings. You can follow the work I do at bestlifebestdeath.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Diane Hullett, and this has been another episode of the Best Life, Best Death podcast. Thanks so thanks, much. Diane.